Well, amen. The Lord's watching this morning, isn't he? And uh, excited about what the Lord has to say to us this morning. So let me invite you to open with me in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Luke, chapter 12. If you're visiting with us, we've been going verse by verse through this gospel, finally in chapter 12. Can I get an amen on that? And uh, that is halfway through. So uh, hopefully before the rapture, we'll finish up Luke's. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just go on with the rapture. Y'all all right? We'll let Jesus finish teaching us. Y'all all right? Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. Uh, the Bible says, under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, Jesus began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that, have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of the head of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man, will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's bow together. In Jesus' name, we bow before you, Father. God, we're grateful for the word this morning. I pray that you would take it and use it as the book of Ephesians teaches uh, to wash us in the water making us more like you, disciples who are reaching out with the gospel. And I pray in the name of Christ that you would give me the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver the truth as you see fit. And God, I pray that everybody in the house today knows that you have spoken directly to them through this word. So, Father, draw those who do not know you to salvation before it's too late. And God, also challenge us. Help us to be the individual followers that you have called us to be. Disciples, willing learners who are now seeking to make disciples. So God, put us back out there with the gospel. Fill our mouth by the Holy Spirit. And we'll give you glory for what you do this morning. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So this morning, I want to preach to you on the subject, bold faith. In fact, all of Luke's gospel, chapter 12, will be entitled, Bolder Faith. So I want to encourage you over the next several times that we have together to really extend bold faith, living boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the mission of Jesus was to develop disciples who would carry his message of the gospel to the nations, his message of his death, burial, and resurrection for the payment of sin. In fact, he wanted the disciples in his own day to carry that message so that those who would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ would have their sin forgiven, 
and also be adopted into the family of God. Now, this mission sounds overwhelmingly exciting. However, the disciples were watching the Lord Jesus Christ and their hearts were now becoming extremely fearful. Now, you may ask, why is that? Well, Jesus Christ rubbed the religious elite the wrong way. Are y'all all right? And so the religious elite began to try to corner the Lord Jesus Christ and speak out against him with great hostility. Now think about it for just a moment, putting yourself in the sandals of a disciple. If you are a disciple and your leader, Jesus, is being persecuted, he is being put in the corner, asked difficult questions, he is being put on the spot over and over and over again, people are insulting him, people are coming against him, if you are following him, you are about that close to receiving the same kind of treatment. And so the disciples in this particular text of scripture are becoming intimidated. They are fearful. They are not as educated as the Pharisees and scribes. So how would they answer if someone came to them and asked them a very difficult question? They were not God in the flesh. Are y'all all right? So they did not have the advantage, so to speak, as the Lord Jesus Christ may have had when speaking about things of the law. And so in this text, we see that hostility is coming against the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we saw that at the end of chapter 11 and verse 53, look at your Bible again. Verse 53 of that last chapter 11, when he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and they questioned him closely on many subjects. Notice this, plotting against him to catch him in something that he might say. So the disciples are scared. They're fearful. How are they going to speak up? How will they act once they receive the gospel and they go forth with it? If Jesus is being ostracized and pushed out, then surely they're going to be ostracized and pushed out. So they're overwhelmingly scared. But I want you to think about it for just a moment. Jesus called his disciples to make disciples in the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. Jesus has called every single follower of Jesus to make disciples. So you who are here today, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been called to make disciples. You should be leading people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing them grow in their faith so that they can learn to worship Christ in Him alone, so they can learn to serve using their spiritual gifts, so that they can learn themselves to reach out with the gospel, and they also can learn to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus. That is the process. Jesus has called you to get in on what He is up to right now in our current day and that is making disciples everywhere so you've been called I've been called it's not just a staff thing every Christian is called to do this that have been a good place y'all if I do that that means say amen because y'all ain't paying attention so all of us are called to do this now here's the deal oftentimes we're just like the disciples were we're intimidated we're scared do you know one of the main reasons people do not share their faith is simply because they are afraid so they say, the reason that I don't share is because I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Or the reason that I don't share in the workplace is because I'm afraid I'll be ostracized, somebody will make fun of me, somebody will push me out, somebody won't give me a raise, etc., etc. We've got all of these excuses of why we do not share the gospel. Jesus knew that was exactly what was gripping the heart of his disciples in Luke chapter 12, fear, intimidation. He knows as well this morning that that oftentimes grips your heart and grips my heart. There have been times in my own personal life when fear so grabbed a hold of me, but I did not speak the truth of the gospel. There have been times that I've heard people speaking about Jesus and they were being made fun of, and I had the opportunity to get in on the conversation, but I ignored the conversation because I didn't want to become the brunt of someone's joke. That ever happened to you? 
And so often we begin to veer, but Jesus says, I want to help you. I want you to have bold faith. That's what Jesus wants you to have. Anybody want bold faith this morning? Say yes. And so there's a few ways that you can receive this as we look at some principles that Jesus teaches his disciples. We apply them directly to our lives. So here's the first way that you and I can live with bolder faith. Are y'all ready for it? Say yes. Here it is. We must live with one face. Everybody say one face. One face. Notice your Bible again in verse 1, chapter 12. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, notice he's going to tell you what the leaven is in the very next phrase, which is, what does your Bible say? What does your Bible say? Hypocrisy. All right, you may want to circle that, highlight it. But what he's speaking of here, notice the word leaven. Leaven is an influencing agent in dough, which actually makes it rise. I wasn't very sure if leaven made dough rise when it was in the oven or if it just made dough rise in general. So I asked James this week, and he let me know. It rises in general. Are y'all all right? In case you were wondering. In our text this morning, leaven speaks of hypocrisy. You know, as we study the New Testament, we find as well as the Old Testament, the leaven can often be described as something that is a holy influence, but most often it's described as something that is an evil influence. And that was what was influencing the Pharisees, the leaven, hypocrisy. They were putting on a mask. They were pretending that they loved God and that they had a relationship with him when in fact they did not love God truly, nor did they genuinely have a relationship with Almighty God. And the Lord Jesus Christ calls them out on that in Luke chapter 11 and says, you clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside, you're full of wickedness and robbery. So you are not a genuine convert. He's calling out hypocrisy. Now he pulls his disciples in. He's pulling us in. He says, come here, fellas. Let me talk to you. I want you to make sure that you do not have the leaven of hypocrisy in your life. In other words, don't say one thing and then live another. May what you say line up with how you live. Live, not with two faces, three or four. Live with one single face. Now, this is true of where you work as well. Whenever you have the opportunity to work, you have the opportunity to be a missionary right there in that place. Are y'all listening? Say yes. So God has planted you there. You ought to be making disciples in that workplace. So if you work at, you know, a Honda store, you ought to be making disciples. If you work at a manufacturing store, you ought to be making disciples. If you're a banker, you ought to be making disciples. God's called you to do that. So you should be looking for those opportunities. Now, here's what I found in the past. Are y'all listening? Say yes. God has given me the opportunity when I was in college, which is only like two years ago. When I was in college, I had the opportunity. That was a joke. But anyway, so uh, I had the opportunity to work in a couple of places. I worked in a furniture store. I also worked in the clothing store. So when I worked in the clothing store, both of my superior bosses were openly homosexual. When I worked in the furniture store, my uh, superior boss, he actually uh, was very critical against Christianity. I remember us driving in the truck on one occasion, and he asked me the exact same question that the other two bosses at the, the uh, clothing store asked me. They said, Levi, uh, you never say any cuss words. Why do you not cuss? I thought that was interesting. All three of these asked me, Levi, you don't cuss. Why don't you cuss? They had noticed something distinctly different about what came out of my mouth. Didn't sound like what they sounded like. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? And so as a result, they're like, something ain't right with this dude. What's wrong with him? Why ain't you cussing? Come over here and cuss with us. Y'all all right? And so they would try to get me to. Y'all listening? I ain't going to go into how, but it was kind of unique how they had tried to get me to. 
But here's the deal. That became a platform just by not cussing. That became a platform for me then to share the gospel with all three of my bosses. Just to share with them the impact that Jesus had made in my life. He had changed me. I no longer have to talk like that anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ, and you can be too. So I got the opportunity to share with them how Jesus came, died for their sin, was buried and resurrected. They need to repent and believe, or else they'll be cast into hell. They can be saved, though. There's an opportunity. So we shared the gospel. God gave you the gospel. Now, as you live like a Christian, and you speak using words that edify and build others up, you're going to be shocked in the workplace at how you have opportunity to actually share the gospel. But listen, if you're out there cussing, are y'all with me say yeah? If you're out there cussing and you're out there telling perverted jokes, ain't nobody going to listen to you when it comes to talking about Jesus. They'll be like, Why are you, what are you talking about? You, you're just like us, man. You talk just like we do. How are you going to talk to us like that? Paul the Apostle writes in the book of Ephesians, speaking to you and I on how to make sure we guard our mouths. Listen to what he says. And this is just something I'm kind of uh, focused on this morning, but listen to this. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. It's building others up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now, here's the deal. Jesus says, all right, disciples, come here. I I want you to be very uh, understanding of the fact that you do not need to live like the Pharisees. Don't say one thing, but then live another. So what you speak, live like it. May your character and your conduct line up and may it all glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. What comes out of your mouth, may it honor the Lord Jesus. And what you do in the workplace or what you do where God's planted you, may it honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't put on more than one face. In other words, be the same person you are behind closed doors as you are right here in church. See, I have found that when people come to church, they're real spiritual. Y'all all right? They, it's amazing. You, you can't keep from cussing on Monday, but you can quit cussing when you come to church. Y'all didn't hear what I said? Too close to home. But it's amazing. Why would you be any different here than you are at work? Why change? There are some people, they work hard at being one person in school. They work hard at being another person whenever they are at work. They work real hard at being another person when they're in church. They work real hard at being another person when they're at home. That's only four. That's four faces you got to keep up with. That's exhausting, man. Just be who God has created you to be. God has redeemed you, taken you out of darkness, put you into the light, gave you a brand new life, put inside you the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, gave you the gospel. Live for that, for his glory. One face. How many faces you got? If you got more than one, you need to repent of them and put one on and live that way. You'll find that as you live with one face, you have boldness to share the gospel. You know, there's some people who say, well, I can't share the gospel because my life doesn't add up to the gospel. Well, start living for the gospel then. I mean, why would you sit around and say that? What appropriate changes do you need to make by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you live the gospel out? So that whenever you speak it, there's a life that backs it up. Are y'all listening? Say yes. One face. Number two, uh, very quick. Let me give you this because I don't want to skip over this. Look at verses two and three. There's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Now, these are future statements of fact concerning those who live hypocritical lifestyles like the Pharisees. And while the Pharisees could fool others with their hypocrisy, they would be unable to fool the Lord God on the day of judgment. And on this day, listen, uh, the Bible teaches that a person's true motives 
their genuine hearts, their thoughts will be revealed and everyone will know. And there's a warning here as well for those who are fake believers in the context of the church. And they're fake believers in church. They come to church, they act Christian, they try to pretend like they're Christian, but they know deep down they don't have a real genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, one day you're going to stand before Jesus and your hypocrisy will be made known. Because the Lord doesn't judge like we do, right? Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. So he knows exactly what's going on in your heart. And one day he's going to look directly at you. And if you are living a hypocritical life and you really don't have a relationship with the Lord, he will expose that. Man, that doesn't need to be exposed. Then let the Lord expose it now so you can repent and be saved. The Lord is reaching out to some of you even so this morning. But Jesus, most of all, wanted his disciples not to live like Pharisees with two faces. He desires for you and I to be transparent in our life. And not only speak boldly for his name, but also to conduct our lives in accordance with the truth. In short, we live bolder by living with one face, with one transparent face. And please listen to the preacher here. This doesn't mean, um, well, I got to live perfect uh, in order to share the gospel. If that were the case, I would never be able to get up here behind the pulpit. Are y'all listening? Because I've got issues. Even when I preach on one face, I get convicted in my heart while I'm preaching. That's some messed up preaching. Y'all listening? If you're preaching and getting convicted at the same time. But it's happened to me already this morning. So as I speak this, God is in the process of growing me, shaping me, so that I would be a bolder witness for his namesake. That's what God's doing in your life too. You're being transformed. It's a metamorphosis the Bible teaches. It's a transforming from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is doing in your life. He's teaching you how to live with one face, transparent, not perfect, but you are living in such a way, as Paul the Apostle says, in a winsome way so that you might lead others to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Always prepared to give a hope for the very one who resides within you. God gives you that. That's how we live, one face. All right, y'all ready for number two? Say yes. We must refuse to be intimidated by man. Refuse to be intimidated by man. Now, here's the deal. So often we don't share our faith because we are scared of what people are going to say or think or do. Notice verse 4 in your Bible. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who, and this is awesome, who kill the body. After that, have no more that they can do. So Jesus reaches right to the heart of the fear which many of the disciples were facing. They were afraid that if they began speaking and living in line with the person of Jesus Christ, that they would invite persecution in their life. As a result, they were afraid of how the religious elite would view them and treat them. Also, they feared for their own safety. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of people when all they can do is kill your body. They can't do anything but kill you. <laughs> Are y'all, I find that hysterical personally. And what y'all afraid of? All they can do is kill you. <laughs> that would be awesome with this one. It's what we can share with you right now. When I'm over in Africa and we're in places where uh, guys are going and they are putting their lives on the line, it's a whole different story to say something like that to them. Well, well, don't be afraid, man. All they can do is kill you. <laughs> notice, uh, well, notice verse 5. I warn you whom to fear. Fear the one after he has killed did y'all notice that too? By the way, this is a pretty awesome passage of scripture here, and I didn't mention it in the first service, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, notice that, it says after he has killed. Uh, a reminder, by the way, that God is sovereign, and nobody perishes without his divine permission over all things. 
Now check it out. Let me read the rest of the verse to you because it's a good one. I warn you to whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I tell you, fear him. So Jesus reminds his listeners that God the Father ultimately has complete jurisdiction, not only over your body, but also over your soul. So God has jurisdiction over man. And while persecutors may think they have authority over you on this earth, they themselves are not outside the authority of the soul, which is the authority of God the Father. So God has the authority over those who are far from him, and he ultimately will bring vengeance upon all who persecute the friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says he will cast them into hell. The word cast is a Greek word that literally means to hurl with great force. So the word here for hell is the word Gehenna in the Greek New Testament. It's interesting, you know, living here in Hall County now, we get the privilege of carrying out our own garbage. Can I get a witness on that? Now, when I lived in Cobb County, they would come and get it. But now we pile it up in the van or whatever we're driving, and we go down to the dump. Y'all been to the dump before? Don't look spiritual out here. You've been to the dump, ain't you? So anyway, I went to the dump this week. Krista loves it when I go to the dump. So anyway, I took all the garbage, and I remember hurling the garbage over into that side. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You pick it up, and you just throw it over into that thing. And then it goes down there, and I kind of like to watch it, don't y'all? Huh? If you don't, y'all to watch it next time. A lot of fun. There's a compactor. Y'all seen it before? It comes in there, and it squeezes that garbage boy, crinkling it up so small. If it had been that small, I just kept it at the house. Y'all listening? Now, here's what the Lord says. The Lord says, fear the one who has the authority to cast you into Gehenna. Gehenna spoke of the trash heap outside the gates of Jerusalem. Now, there, they didn't have a compactor. What they had was a fire, and the fire was always burning. And so the Lord Jesus says, hey, man, look, you're going to be persecuted, but don't you be afraid of somebody if all they can do is kill you. Be fearful of the one who has the authority to take a person's soul and body and throw them into eternal fire. That's who you ought to fear. So we live in that manner. You know, Proverbs 29 and 25 tells us the fear of man is a snare. But whoever, listen, trust in the Lord is safe. So the fact of the matter is, so often we choose to be silent about our faith for fear of what a person might think, say, or do to us. We think that by being silent, we are playing it safe. But the Bible teaches that being dictated by fear is actually a snare. It is a trap that we fall into. What's the snare? What's the snare when we are dictated by fear? Here's the snare. We're more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. That's the snare. Safety comes when we completely trust in the Lord. So as you go out, are you listening? Say yes. This is awesome. As you and I go out with the gospel and we live for Christ and we share the Lord Jesus Christ, when we go out, we go out fully trusting in the Lord. That's where our trust is. And that gives us boldness. Warren Wearsby says it like this, quote, The remedy for hypocrisy is to forget about what people may say and do and fear God alone. The fear of God is the fear that conquers all other fears. For the person who truly fears God need fear nothing else. What a statement. Now, Jesus emphasizes our need to trust in God the Father. Look at verse 6. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not. Now, some, some of you, it's easier to count the hairs on your head. Because <laughs> you don't have many. Man, y'all are a tough crowd, I'll tell you what. Very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. 
You are more valuable than many sparrows. So Jesus speaks here about the plight of the boniest, scroniest bird that is barely considered to be of any value. However, these birds do not escape the tender care of God the Father. You're going to find also as we continue to learn how to be bold in our faith that even the birds aren't worried about what they're going to eat. God takes care of them. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, a sparrow, none of them are forgotten. And you are so much more valuable than a scrawny bird. God's going to care for you. God's going to keep his eye on you. God is going to make sure that he is there with you at all times. So whenever you begin to stand up for the gospel in the workplace or in the home or in your family or in your extracurricular activities and you stand up for the gospel and all of a sudden you're persecuted, know this, you are not alone. God is right there with you. He's with you. The hymn writer C.F. Wiggle writes it like this, quote, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. What a great statement. Now, the details of our life that we don't even consider, like the total number of hairs on our head, even the Father's aware of that. And the point is very simple. He's like, if God the Father, are y'all listening say yes? If God the Father knows how many hairs are on your head, of course he knows where you are when you are being persecuted or slandered for standing up for the gospel. He knows all that. Therefore, don't be intimidated by man. Don't allow an individual man to cause you such fear and intimidation that you don't speak the gospel. Speak it, man. Point number three, here we go. We must speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verses 8 and 9. Look at your Bible. I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man, will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now, the idea here is of confessing Jesus in front of others Uh, It literally speaks of publicly acknowledging that you stand with and for the Lord Jesus. Paul the Apostle in Romans 1 and 16 says it like this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Genuine converts to Christianity overcome the fear of what men may say, think, or do. They publicly announce their allegiance to Jesus Christ and are not ashamed to be identified with him. And they overcome that fear by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, the Bible teaches, whenever he witnesses you standing up for the truth in the face even of persecution, the Bible says that he reaches over and he tells all of the angels before God, that is my boy, that's my girl. That's awesome. The person who denies the Lord Jesus Christ and refuses to be identified with him, that is a person who has no part in the eternal kingdom of God. So if you don't have the son, 1 John says, if you reject the son, Jesus, then you don't have the father either. So here it is, the test of genuine conversion is whether or not you are openly public about your relationship with Christ. That you are unashamed, It's not that you don't face fear, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you overcome it, and you identify yourself with the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't, the Father hears from his Son. He's not with us. She's not with us. Now, it gets a little stronger here in verse 10. Look, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man. Y'all got your Bible? Say yes. Verse 10, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. This is interesting because often we preach and we even say, man, God can forgive any sin. 
Uh, not according to this text. There is one he doesn't forgive. Now, this is often called in theological circles the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin. And in this text, Jesus tells us that there is a sin which God will not forgive. It's unpardonable. And it is the sin of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Jesus says, you can be forgiven if you speak out against me. You can speak out against the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and still be forgiven. You're still good. still opportunity for you to be saved. Now, if you couldn't be saved from that, Paul the Apostle will be in hell this morning. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He didn't like Jesus. He uh, refuted him. He went against him. But God was gracious and brought him to salvation. But Jesus says, however, if you blaspheme, the Holy Spirit can't be forgiven. Now, the word blaspheme, it literally means to speak irreverently against, to insult, or to slander. It says you won't be forgiven. Now, I want to give you a little context here because this is a, a pretty awesome truth. Jesus Christ came as the Messiah King to Israel. Are y'all with me? Say yes. Jesus came as the Messiah King to Israel. Israel looked at Christ, and what did they do? Did they receive him, or did they reject him? They rejected him. Want nothing to do with it. You're not the king we're looking for. We want somebody else. So they rejected him. Now check this out. Even in the context of their rejection, there was still opportunity for them to be forgiven. Jesus was hung on the cross, buried, resurrected. And then 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence within the believers, Acts chapter 2. And you'll remember that Peter stood up in the power of the Holy Spirit and preached the gospel message right in Jerusalem so that they once again could hear the truth and respond. However, Israel said, no, we don't want that. So check this out. They reject Jesus Christ, still opportunity for you to be saved. But when the Spirit of God made it evident to them what Jesus Christ had done on the cross for them through his death, burial, and resurrection, and they said, we want nothing to do with that, they committed a crime that could not be forgiven. Now, as we apply this to our current day, are y'all still with me? Say yes. Y'all look real nervous about this, and uh, we should be. Uh, don't you listen. As we uh, today speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, his role is to, according to uh, the book of John 16, is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So as the Spirit of God goes out through the gospel, we speak it, the Holy Spirit begins to work in the lives of people and convict them. That is, bring to light the reality that they are sinners. Bring to light the reality that they cannot earn righteousness. Bring to light the reality that Jesus is righteous and will give them righteousness by faith. Bring all of this to light. As they hear the Spirit of God revealing the truth to them and they still reject it, There's a problem. Now, as a preacher, I can't tell you if that's one time or several. I don't know. Y'all all right? I wish I could tell you. But I do know this much. If you're in this building today and the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and you don't respond, you are on the verge, man, of going to hell. All right? So close to committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Why in the world would you do that? Look at verse 11 and 12 in your Bible. 
When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, this is good. Jesus gives a promise to his disciples that when they face trial for standing up for the message of the gospel, they shouldn't be afraid that they wouldn't know what to say. And remember, they got to be thinking, man, how are we going to be speaking to these guys? We're not educated enough. We don't know this. We're just fishermen. What are we supposed to do? It's like, don't worry about that. The Spirit of God will tell you what to say. <laughs> now, I love that. Holy Spirit will fill their mouths. Check this out. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. It applies to the New Testament church, you and I as well. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, are y'all listening? Say yes. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. When does the Holy Spirit come? As soon as you come to Christ. Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. The power has come upon you as believers. To do what? The Bible says, to be my witnesses. Are y'all listening to the preacher? To be my witnesses. You have been converted, saved by the grace of Christ, given the Holy Spirit so that you can witness all of us. Are y'all out there? Now, here's the deal. God gave the mission to the church through Jesus. Jesus comes to the church and he's like, here's what I want y'all to do. Y'all go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them every single thing that I have commanded you. And check this out. And lo, I'm with you always. Are y'all listening? Don't put your stuff up. I ain't done preaching yet. Look at me. Eyeball to eyeball. We'll get to that last point. I need to put conclusion. Just put a bunch of blanks after it. Y'all listening? So y'all just be sitting there. Y'all look at me. Look at me. God has called you and I to make disciples. In order to make a disciple, you have to share the gospel. That's for preachers. Yeah, it is. It's for you too. Because ultimately it's for Christians. It's like you're saved. Y'all share the gospel. So here's the deal. Uh, question for you. And I ain't trying to be ugly, but I want you to listen to my question. Y'all listen and say yes. Y'all going to be my friends after this question? You don't even know what question is. Here it is. Who'd you share the gospel with this week? Who'd you tell about Jesus this week? Well, nobody preached I was down at work. Uh, uh, listen, I think you may have forgot. God gave you that job so you could be a missionary right there where you work. Y'all be talking about Jesus. This is a challenge in my own personal life, so I'll share with you a little transparency here. challenge for me is to share the gospel with somebody every single week. So I get up in the morning, on Monday morning, I'm like, I got to look for somebody to share the gospel with. Y'all all right? So every single day, I'm looking for people. It's amazing how sensitive you are whenever you have a desire to share the gospel that God will just begin to make you start seeing stuff you ain't never even looked at before. So all, I mean, all week long, man, I'm like uh, trying to get you in my sight. Y'all listening? I'll get you. Uh, D.L. Moody, somebody asked him one time, he said, how is it you're so powerful as an evangelist? You just share the gospel with everybody. Man, I will be used like you. Tell me your secret. He said, here's what I do. I put an L on everybody's forehead, which stands for lost. And I don't erase it till I talk to them. Y'all listening? So that's what we're supposed to do. So here's the deal, and I kind of put it this way the first service. I want you to listen closely. We can be a church that is obedient and faithful. Or we can be a church that is disobedient and unfaithful. Now, what's the line there? I mean, it, what, how do we know for being obedient or disobedient? What are we doing with the gospel? Are we carrying it forth? Are we making disciples? Are we sharing the gospel with people so that they can be saved? 
If we sit back and we say, you know what, that just ain't for us. Know this, Jesus said to the churches in Revelation, this is my loose paraphrase, but here it comes. If you ain't living right, I'll take the lampstand out. And so right now, we are excited about what God's doing in the church, excited about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. If we don't continue to share the gospel, the Lord Jesus, according to Revelation 2, I read it in my quiet time this week, Jesus is in the church right now. Y'all listening? So he walks among the churches. But uh, if we're not doing what he's called us to do, he'll just take our lampstand. No more light. Man, let's not be there. Make disciples everywhere. How do we do it? Live with one face. Don't be intimidated by mouth. Speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, just because it's cool, man, I uh, got the opportunity to share the gospel this week. And I don't do this every single um, time I preach. Uh, but like I said, man, you start looking for it. It's amazing. So at the restaurant, we share the gospel. And uh, homeboy ended up being Jehovah's Witness. Y'all listening? I ain't kidding. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, that's the force. Well, then I said, what? what are you talking about, man? He says, the force like Star Wars. May the force be with you. And then that was when it keyed in. This dude's Jehovah's Witness. Because that's what they believe. So no, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. So then after that, shared the whole gospel with him, to which he responded and said, here, here, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, you respect what I say, and I respect what you say. Now, y'all with me? I'm a nice guy. I said, well, let's think about that logically. One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. How about, you know, in my brain, I thought of a lot of other stuff to say. One of them was like, uh, how about I give you this $5 and tell you it's worth 10 <laughs> Respect me. That's what I said. Doesn't work like that. Logic dictates the fact that somebody's right, somebody's wrong. And so in that case, I'm like this. Somebody's right, somebody's wrong. And I'm telling you what Jesus said. And if you're not careful, man, you're going to die and go to hell. You need to be saved. Did that at a restaurant? Sure did. Now, I wish I was that bold all the time. Because there have been times, like I said at the intro, man, that I've just flat out blew it. Y'all all right? But, man, if we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and we look for people, God's put people in your life that need to be saved. Open your eyes, man. Right? Open your eyes. Let's bow together. Father, in Jesus' name.